With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here are your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. Hello, everyone. It's Nina Pantic here with Irina Falcone. Hey, guys. How's it going? So we are doing another French Open special podcast. It's just the two of us, and we're going to talk about things that have stood out. Obviously, now we're in the midst of week two, and the biggest news and the most exciting news has to be Roger Federer taking off Rafael Nadal in Friday's semifinal. We're recording on Wednesday, a very rain slog day. I mean, what better time to do a podcast than when it's raining? Good news is there's some huge matches coming up, and that is one that I think the entire planet is looking forward to because they were meant to play in Indian Wells, and Rafael obviously withdrew, and that was devastating to everyone. I think it's interesting, or the most interesting part of this match coming up is the fact that Federer has beaten him in the last five times, even though Rafa has the 23-15 to 15 edge. This is their 39th meeting. That is insane. That is insane, but has Roger beaten him the last five times on hard or clay? Hard Because I highly doubt, yeah. That is the one thing that, for anyone listening, I am a huge Roger Federer fan. Like, I don't boast about it, post about it, and, like, go crazy or anything like that. But I just love how he plays and everything. But I am just not loving his chances. They have played so many times. They know each other's games, like the back of their hands. And the one aspect that I just don't love about this matchup is that it is on a clay court, which just happens to be one of Rafa's favorite surfaces, even though I know he's won many other slams that weren't on clay. He just has that. I mean, I'm I'm convinced that it just runs in his blood. I mean, it, it's just there, and he just knows how to play on it so well. But who knows? I mean, this is the first time that Fed has played at the French Open in a long time, so who knows? Maybe the stars are aligned for him, but... It's going to be it, it it's going to be an exciting match. For Federer, I think he needs some things to fall his way. I completely agree. I think Nadal is the obvious favorite. But just for argument's sake, Federer did and he's mentioned this loads of times, he grew up on clay. But that doesn't mean anything in this case because he's only played on clay a few times in the past three or four years. So it's like, yeah, you grew up on clay, but in the past year or two, how much have you actually played on it? This moment is press conference where it's like, I always think I have a chance, basically is what he was saying. But he still said, you just never know. He might have a problem. He might be sick. He might be playing great. And for some reason, he's struggling. Maybe there's an incredible wind, rain, 10 rain delays. You just don't know. That's why you put yourself in that position. I mean, I'm not saying he's like hoping Rafa's sick, but it kind of adds a little bit of like, okay, so for better realistically to have a really, really real chance... He needs a little bit of an off game, Rafa, and Rafa is never off his game in Paris. I will say that I don't think that Roger's actually hoping something does happen to Rafa in any 
way, shape, or form. Because, I mean, think about it. He is beatable on clay. I think that there are a lot of things that have to happen right for Fed to win this match. But, I mean, if I were a betting woman, which I am not, Rafa would definitely have my bet on this one. I'm sorry. I love you, Roger. But, ugh. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I think that Roger wants him to speak. I just think that it was interesting that he kind of mentioned it because it's like my theory was that Rafa is the obvious favorite, but things can happen. Things can change. And Roger has been playing well. There's no doubt about that. Another thing Roger pointed out in press, which I don't know. I mean, it's an obvious fact, but I haven't thought about it, is Rafa is a lefty. And obviously Roger is aware of this. But he's only played against right-handed players at this Grand Slam so far, which means he's gotten so accustomed to righties, righty serve, righty forehands, playing forehand to forehand. You kind of get in this lull because about like 80% of players are right-handed. I mean, how massive of an advantage is it to be left-handed? By no means am I saying that right-handed players don't have a flair that a lefty player would have, but there's a certain sense of style and a certain discomfort that a lefty can bring to the court that you just wouldn't see from a righty, especially if you've been playing a righty your entire life. So he hasn't really played that many uh, lefties, I mean, this whole year, if you think about it, but Rafa's been playing a lot of righties. So that's another thing that you can add to the disadvantage that Roger has here. Exactly. I know, I know, I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say a lefty is always playing against a righty. Like when he, when Rafa plays a lefty, he's probably thrown off as well. But I mean, I think he has the advantage because he's always playing against righties. I know exactly what you're trying to say there. It makes, it's another thing that you just kind of don't really think about. You're like, they've played each other 30, 38 times they play each other like they know each other's game that's gonna be I mean I'm hoping it's a match of the tournament I think Roger Federer's win over Stan Wawrinka was one of the most highly competitive most entertaining matches in the men's draw as well as Stan's match against Stefano Tsitsipas but sometimes when you hype something up too much you get too excited for it and ends up being average or even good it's not good enough you know so you never know these things can sometimes end up so lopsided but hopefully not but we mentioned lefties. There's a lefty in the women's draw in the semifinals, Marketa Vrondrusova, a Czech 19-year-old, turns 20 later this month. To me, she's come kind of out of nowhere, but I remember watching her play the second round or third, uh, the second round of the U.S. Open last year. She played Jeannie Bouchard. She's on her way to the fourth round. I mean, that was a pretty great showing for her as well. But now she's kind of finding her stride because of the way she plays. She puts all these junk and slice and drop shots in her game. She's not just a classic, you know, tall, pounding baseliner. She's super creative. And I don't think a lot is known about her. But this year alone, she's made quarterfinals of Indian Wells, Miami, and Rome, and the finals of Budapest and Istanbul. That is a pretty strong season, even if you're new. That is a remarkable year, especially for someone as young as her. I mean, she has so much swagger, so much flair. Like, I really enjoy watching her play. She reminds me a little bit of Agnieszka Rodwanska, and she also has a little bit of Hingis in her, and she moves on the court like she just makes it look so easy. I, I understand that fans say, oh, well, all professionals make it look so easy, but as a pro tennis player, I mean, watching her play, I'm like, I mean, she anticipates exceptionally well. And like you said, she uses a drop shot, which is my favorite shot of all time. So I am a huge fan of her just on that accord. So it's going to be a heck of a match uh, between Kanta and Vondrasova. I mean, the fact that Kanta was able to just 
dismantle Sloan. I mean, Sloan, I don't think played her best, but Kanta is just on fire. Even though I remember clearly her talking to the press, I think it was last year or the year before, telling them that if you start saying how bad you are on the surface, you start believing it. And the press was like on her about it. And uh, this year, she's definitely proved them wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kanta also lost her first four first rounds in Paris. So I think she was feeling a little bit low, but things have definitely turned for her. It'll be a really interesting matchup because, I mean, Vondrasova has a lot of creativity. We said a lot of drop shots, but Kanta's a great court cover. I mean, she, I kind of expect a similar match maybe in what we saw with uh, Vondrasova taking on Petra Martic, who covers the court incredibly well. But I don't know. I, I feel like just maybe a little bit of a mental thing where she just couldn't quite. She was up five two or five three in the first set against Vondrasova, and she definitely had her chances. But and she's beaten her four times, so I was a little bit surprised to see Vondrasova get through. But there's something exciting about a teenager. I mean, we talk, we've been talking about teenagers so much at this Grand Slam on the women's side, and we kind of overlooked Vondrasova a little bit. She does turn 20 this month in our defense. It just it just seems somebody that's a little bit quiet, a little bit not not a not a big fast rising star that everyone's hyping up and that's kind of a great thing for her because she might not feel the pressure and the anxiety that comes with like being you know the WTA's it girl you're kind of just doing your thing and she keeps saying oh I'm just playing my game and one journalist was like okay yeah no uh, what is your game and she goes play drop shots I mean that's sums it up right there you have to have an exceptional amount of confidence to hit a drop shot because the girls on the tour are fast so you have to be faster knowing that when they get there, they're going to try and hit a great shot. And the way that she passes and lobs these players with ease, I mean, one of the highlights I was watching between her and Martic, she brought Martic in and was able to lob a girl that's over six foot like nobody's business. And like I said, I mean, you wouldn't think that she is turning 20 this month because she just plays like such a veteran. She just sees the court so easily. And it's just it's just very fun to watch as a fan. The drop shot lob combo is so cool to see when it works. And it's so disappointing when it fails. I mean, Martic went for it, which I thought was very bold, went for it on match point, uh, hit a drop shot. Um, Marquetta came in a little bit anxiety ridden obviously and then Martic missed the lob and that obviously feels terrible but when you pull out that drop shot lob combo I mean I've seen you do it a billion times it feels so so good I will say it also feels very dehumanizing when it's done to you um, because of my non six foot stature I have been lobbed quite a few times and when it does happen to you you're just like oh my gosh like I can't believe I just got lobbed like it's the worst feeling in the world but yeah when you're doing it to someone else man it sure feels good also I think it's throwing for fans to watch variety you know everyone talks about big hitters baseliners I mean seeing girls come and charge the net seeing girls not afraid to hit drop shots and and guys obviously everyone um, coming to the net lobs drop shots angles I mean that's kind of what the excitement of clay tennis is all about but on Wednesday, we saw none of that because it rained all day and it's a complete washout. What happens during rain delays like this? I mean, what's the struggle and the challenges of players? You get to the site, you're supposed to play this quarterfinal match or whatever match it is, and then you're just sitting there. The struggle I think that most players find is you can become exceptionally lazy when there is a rain delay. And that is not something you really want for your body because your body's been used to like, okay, I'm in match mode, like I need to play. So one of the things I always find that players do is they will actually try and find an indoor court, even if it's just like 30 minutes, just to feel the ball a little bit. Um, some players that don't 
have the ability to find an indoor court will probably just go in the gym and just get a sweat in, whether it's once or twice, just to make sure that the body is like, hey, you know what? Don't go to sleep. Like, it's, we're, we're still in tournament. Like, we have to get it ready for tomorrow. I think that that's one of the most important things because it is very easy to just want to stay in the hotel and watch Netflix all day and just eat and not even worry about anything. But hey, like you have to be worried about the following day. So it's very important to just kind of keep the body moving and, you know, have the right mindset and make sure that, okay, it's a rain delay. I'm just going to use this to recover as much as I possibly can. An immediate misconception would have been, oh, day off. Yeah, Netflix, sit at home. I mean, do nothing. Why would you even bother working out? I mean, that's in my head, I would immediately think day off, chill day, not doing anything. So what you're saying there makes, I mean, it's not at all. It does not mean you get to go and sightsee and go shopping and go find some croissant place. It means another work day, just an adjusted, maybe even more challenging work day because it's not what you're used to. And you have to be inside all day because it's pouring rain. Absolutely. And you also don't want to fatigue the body. A lot of people think like, oh, I have a day off. I'm going to go sightsee. It's rarely the case that players actually do that in the midst of a tournament because you're just so focused. That when you go into, for example, Roland Garros, let's say you have a 10 o'clock hit and you have a 3 o'clock hit. I mean, you literally get there no later than 8, 8.15, and you are there till probably around 5 o'clock. So it's very easy to think, oh, you're just hitting for like an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, and then you can get out of there. But no, there's so much more that is involved. The warm up, you have to go to the gym, you have to get treatment, you have to get taped up, you have to have a massage, you have to eat. Like there's just so many things that people just don't even think about. They don't. They don't at all. Yeah, you just think you, sh- you show up, have an hour hit, and the way you see it on TV, it looks like a casual hit. It looks like it lasted maybe 30 minutes. No, it's an entire process. And days off, I mean, really, it's no days off. Isn't that a hashtag? <laughs> no days off. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's a shame the French Open does not have a roof yet, but looking ahead, it sounds like by 2020, so next year, Jesus, next year, they'll be have a roof, um, an operational roof for when it rains. And so this might be the last time we see an entire day get washed out. And it's going to be great to have all four slams playable, at least as big courts during rain. I'm looking forward to that especially. So and we're definitely looking forward, most of all, to Rafa Nadal taking on Roger Federer on Friday. Um, that's it for this episode. I think we brought up to speed a few of the interesting highlights of this week so far. Um, this has been the Tennis.com podcast Inside the Tour, and I've been Nina Pantic. I've been Irina Falcone. Thanks for listening. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.